Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and the Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from the Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. I was on a walk recently, and the course and I were talking about possibility. Now, this is a topic that's come up quite a lot last season and this season, different aspects of it, understanding that possibility is a loophole in our belief system complex and by way of opening to new ideas about what is possible, we often let in new energy, which creates new beliefs. If we could stay open to possibility broadly, like infinite universe broadly all the time, we could reasonably experience any aspect of creation. By way of limiting our beliefs, our perspectives on what is possible in any given moment, we reinforced or created or energized this experience of limitation. So I'm walking on the beach with them. And in some ways, this topic feels a little cut and dried to me now. (laughs) We've talked about possibility a lot. But as usual, they don't bring it up by accident. And usually it's because I'm about to see something new and different in a brand new way that expands things. So I've been having a hard time lately with, well, with the water beings. I feel like they're so close. I feel like maybe I should be turning in their direction more, but at times it just doesn't feel quite ready yet, even though I want it. There's a part of me that deeply wants it and is like, you know, go there, be brave, open up to it. And then there's still another part of me that's like, no, I'd I'd rather just walk on the beach like a human, (laughs) Just, just to enjoy the beach and not really aware of any other beings right now. And so as I'm walking along and thinking about what's going on in my life and other stuff, sort of just letting my mind wander, the chorus brings up an interesting aspect about humanity. And they said, well, you tend to think about what's not possible. Now this brought me up short because at that moment, I was actually thinking about a house that we may be buying under contract recently. Hooray. And because this has been such an up and down process, I am guarded perhaps and recognize that I am. I don't want to get too excited about this house because what if it doesn't work out? So I'm thinking about the house when they say, well, humans tend to think about what's not possible. And first there was a fear. There was a part of me that went, this house isn't going to work out. And then I sat with it for a second and I thought, well, no, I was thinking about how we might fix it up. You know, how we might paint that room or replace those cabinets. So then I thought, oh, maybe they're saying that's not possible. 
And I sort of felt a little grouchy and a little cynical. <laughs> like, oh, sure, I'm a human. None of the things I want are ever possible when I want them. Feel that? And then I kept walking and I sort of just let it go. Felt the question, felt the misunderstanding and just, I don't know, returned to enjoying a very normal human walk on the beach. And I continued to watch what my mind did. Well, it moved on from the house and it went to what I was maybe going to cook for dinner that night and what I needed from the grocery store. And then if we were going to go over to that friend's house for dinner, I should probably make that in advance and, you know, mind stuff, just wandering around. And then I felt it in a whole new way. And I realized that all the things my mind kept returning to in my very normal walk on the beach, my very just let the mind wander, maybe look around, maybe sometimes not even realize how far I've walked. <laughs> so I'm all up in my head. I realized that none of those things were possible in that moment. That sometimes I would come up and I would look around and I'd be very aware of the beach and the water and the birds and the sky and the breeze. And then I would sort of lean back into a thinking about things that needed to get done. But I wasn't at the grocery store then. And I couldn't have cooked anything while I was walking on the beach. And I didn't have my phone with me, so I couldn't text a friend with questions about what I should bring. It was a long list of to-dos. And there was a part of me that felt very satisfied about thinking about all of this over and over again as if it would somehow help me later when I got there. But as we've talked about, much of that mental churning just pulls us out of the present moment, which was the epitome of the game. To be in a belief system complex that creates, that generates, that is the embodiment of a disconnection from the infinite universe, from us, our power, our uniqueness, into sort of this artificial experience where stuff is hard and we need to plan and we need to work. And I realized that actually the only thing that was possible in that moment was to enjoy the walk, was to look around, was to be present. So at this point, I sort of turned back to the chorus. <laughs> and I'm like, is this what you mean? And in their very loving, very supportive, very celebrating of our limitation and all our awakening kind of way, they basically said, yeah, you guys think all the time about things that you can't actually do in this exact moment. The mind is drawn into churning, creating things that aren't possible. Not because they're not possible, not because I couldn't go to the grocery store, I couldn't call a friend, but if you look at it from the lens of time, where you are resonant, where you are existent, 
the present moment on the beach is not also the kitchen, (laughs) is not also at the grocery store. Maybe not yet. Maybe one day we'll be able to resonate in a perspective of both places simultaneously. But I would imagine that if we get to that point, we will be wholly present in enjoying a walk on the beach, stepping into everything that's possible in that place, in that moment in time, and fully present at the grocery store, fully stepping into all our inspirations in that moment, not just what was on a list that was created in another time. You know the weirdest part? Realizing this and playing with this lately has allowed me to be more trusting of possibility. It is always alive and well in the present moment. It's always waiting for us. That sense of presence, of inspiration, of a desire, of a thrill, of let's do it right now, of grab the keys, get in the car, I'm so excited. That's the place where everything's possible. Because that's the place of connection. And that is what we are all expanding towards. And speaking of presence, in this present moment, we are all about to discover what the chorus wants to share about their perspective of us today. No matter what today you're on, no matter what moment in time you're on, they live in a place of infinite possibility which means any time that you listen to this, there will be as much that is newly possible as every other moment in time. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterwards we will discuss. See you soon. Beloved ones, cherished creations, loving expressions of all that is, how much we are celebrating everything that is unfolding from you, for you, by you, because of you. We know we have said it before. What incredible creators that you are. We know that sometimes it doesn't feel great to hear love for the things that you are currently struggling with. And we honor this perspective. This incredible, infinitely valid perspective. 
but also we love you. And in so doing, we allow for all aspects of everything that you are in the game and beyond it, the vastness of the power of infinite creation that you represent, and all the many things that you teach us all by way of what you powerfully, fantastically have created here. Can humanity hold a perspective like this of love through awakening? At what point are you all able to lean into the expansion, perhaps you might ask, as opposed to viewing this all from the five senses perspective, where some of it is still challenging and troubling and at times even very difficult. There are so many paths, beloved ones. There are so many ways that you have passed through and experienced this reality. It is less about this particular line from our perspective, this particular lifetime that you are experiencing and setting it right or turning the corner or fixing what has gone on. And it's perhaps more about expanding to understand and to take in all the lines that you have followed through this game. Humanity might consider this concept something like a lifetime and perhaps a way of thinking about these other lines are by way of other lifetimes. However, some of these other lines expand far beyond concepts that you hold here very strictly about what means living and what means dying. There is a permeability to the veil of death, as you have long suspected and felt. And therefore, some of your lines, as you might say, cross over into other frequencies and other places that you have blinded yourselves to from this particular perspective. Therefore, as you expand, it is not necessarily about fixing, we could say, the errors of each lifetime. It is rather more about seeing what they each represent and represented perfectly. In a way, from this vantage point, you rise above the emotions in some ways, the pain in other ways that you created in some of these lifetimes because instead you sense their fit and the extraordinary ways that they tell you so much about your infinite nature and also about creation itself. You see, it is by way of humanity having created this reality that so many of us have come to an expanded understanding 
of creation. By our ability to observe you here, to connect with many of you energetically, as you resonate in these places, we have come to a broader understanding of what it means to exist, to create, to choose, to be loved. We have long suggested that there is expansion happening in the background for all humankind, for all who participate in this game, and that remains so from our vantage point. Expansion is an inherent aspect of creation. It is expansion by one view. And therefore, you could not not have expanded whilst here. You could prevent yourselves from seeing or understanding or consciously being aware of this expansion, but you expanded still. As you arrive at this perspective in more and different points in your life or through more and different memories, experiences of other timelines from this perspective and others, you will feel a wholeness, a coming back together, a pieces fitting. And though at times it may feel very confusing, that is transitory, more of the answers are simply on their way. In so doing, what you are arriving to, beloved ones, is the perspective of this expansion. You have started down in a particular thread, awakening from this particular place, and now you are arising. Your light is shining across more of these things together. You are starting to see the whole picture, everything that you are and have been and have expanded to achieve. We love everything that you have been through this expansion. There is not a single moment that you have created here that does not dazzle us. We see the loving and infinite being that you are beyond even the constructs of belief. There is so much more to you. And we celebrate telling you this here in this perspective and in many other perspectives too. And that is because we love you infinitely.
but you didn't know you could shift your consciousness into another lifetime. And the love of the Chorus would be there too. (laughs) Makes sense, doesn't it? If they are that vast, if they are that much on the sidelines (laughs) of our game, then depending on how broad our definition of the game is, they could see all of it. I used to wonder how many quote-unquote lifetimes I've had here. Way before any of this started, (laughs) way before channeling was a twinkle in my eye, I went to a friend's birthday party. Her birthday happens to be on Halloween. And she booked a palm reader and, you know, some other things for the party. And I had never been to a palm reader. I was very interested and curious about what this would be like. So a few of my friends had gone up before me and I asked them, I said, what did, what did she say? And they would show me their palm and they would say, oh, this is my lifeline and I'm going to live like this and I'm supposed to have three relationships and the third one will be like this. You know, it's like, this is interesting. (laughs) I don't know that I believed any of it. In fact, I can tell you quite clearly that I didn't. (laughs) I saw it as a party attraction, but I found it interesting that she and her craft believed in very specific things, very set outcomes that to me still felt very unknown in my young 20s. Life was just beginning. How could anyone predict this stuff? So I go over to her and I sit down and I must have been one of the last ones at this whole party. And she takes my hand and I got the sense that, you know, she may not have been doing this for very long, I don't know. She was very young. She was young like I was young. We were probably the same age. But she takes one look at my hand. (laughs) And then she looks up at me with very wide eyes. And she said, you have had so many lifetimes here. And I didn't know what to make of that. I thought, well, okay, maybe that's a thing that people have. And then, you know, she looks at my palm even some more and she runs her finger across it and she goes like, like I'm seeing at least 14 lifetimes. I mean, maybe more. And I'm starting to get a little perplexed now because she seems really startled by this fact, but I don't understand why that's a big deal. (laughs) And she goes, I've never seen this in anybody's hands before. And she goes, truly and sincerely looks up at me and asks, like actually expecting an answer, asks, why do you keep coming back here? (laughs) (sighs) Now, fast forward years later with the course. Here I am having a conversation about all the many lifetimes, all the many perspectives that we have held through this game not just in terms 
of life and death as we define it here, which is quite narrow, according to some civilizations, but also potentially experiences of beliefs of limitation that expanded into many other wavelengths too. So the question was for me then and is for me now, well, don't we all have a lot of lifetimes here? If the definition of the game is so broad as to encompass other kinds of living, other kinds of life, other kinds of existing, anything within the boundaries of physical beliefs, of beliefs, basically, it's an infinite universe. Technically, we could have held an infinite number of lifetimes here. It's right around this point that it starts to feel like a little too much, doesn't it? It's the way the word infinite used to feel to me when I first started talking to the chorus. It was uncomfortable. (laughs) It was uncomfortable to feel my brain struggling so hard to wrap itself around a concept like that and not be able to integrate it into my life. It felt discomforting. It felt uneasy. Feels kind of like a squirm or a grimace. (laughs) So the chorus is bringing up today that they love us, of course, fabulous, that we have taught many other beings, a lot about creation by creating a place where we are disconnected from the perspective of that. And they've also brought up that they can see us across many of these lines through the experience of limitation. And that's great. But what does that mean for us? What is our perspective on all of this? Does that mean that I have been a peasant, an emperor, a friar, a farmer? (laughs) Does that mean I have as many lifetimes as there are potential roles in this game? Maybe this time I'm Katie in the chorus. Maybe next time you're Katie in the chorus. (laughs) Have we all taken a turn at the wheel of being a savior? Are these just roles that we hand off to one another? Do we just come here to put on the mask and play the game and then take off the mask and try on the next one an infinite number of times? A little directionless, doesn't it? I mean, maybe if we lived in a concept of infinite time, it might just sound like endless fun. And I validate that. But I don't. (laughs) I don't live yet, in a perspective of infinite time. So, given all my constraints, whether we applaud them or detest them, how does this work for a five senses human? Let's approach this by way of an analogy. Let's set aside for a moment the concept of lifetimes and our identities and everything that's wrapped up in that and instead talk about hmm, something we can all relate to. 
let's talk about houses. Now, with any luck, in about three or four weeks' time, I will be closing on a house. This house comes with popcorn ceiling, orange walls, parquet floors, wallpaper in all the bathrooms, and a long list of other things that if I continue to go on about them, would probably tell you the age of the home. At least particularly if you're an American. I'm not sure how far these trends reached around the rest of the world. (laughs) But at least in the United States, my even this short of a list thus far would probably tell many of my fellow Americans the approximate age of this house. Now, if we were new to home ownership, we might say, well, why? Why does that tell you how old the home is? And I would say, well, 20 or 30 or basically 40 years ago, all of these things were very popular. When people were building homes to suit the newest tastes of that era, many of these things were actually desired. People liked orange and avocado green very much back then, as well as brown. (laughs) People thought the textured ceilings looked nice and they loved the pattern in a parquet floor. Since homes are costly, to change or to change very often, you can sometimes tell how old a house is by way of what is inside it because much of it has probably been there since the time the home was built. If we lived in societies where we could change flooring or wallpaper or colors of walls with a snap of the fingers, this might be harder to do. But thankfully, we are humans bathing in a sea of limitation where all of these things require much time and energy and resources. (laughs) And we're so busy surviving that we don't have a lot left over to completely transform the places in which we live every day. So here I am about to purchase this home, wanting to change or update, as we would say, many of the things. That is, I want it to reflect preferences, or even trends in this day and age. Now, I am not a big trend person, or so I tell myself, and yet I have spent a lot of time on the internet picking out pictures that I like, that I would like to see in my home. And if you zoom out a little bit, most likely what I am looking at is some version or subversion of the overall trends of what's popular across our group's consensus right now in terms of abodes. (laughs) If you look at it from the perspective of the chorus, I am still looking at a house that has walls and a roof and a thing called a kitchen because I believe that I must ingest food in order to restore my energy. So though I see a very big difference between an orange wall and a crisp white wall, to them, we're really sort of splitting hairs. I am down in the details of my five senses manifestations, and they are looking at the macro trend of the need to have a place to live. So here I am, the human, at the paint shop or the tile store, and living amongst this 
belief system complex where I have a beginning and an end and a singular lifetime. And all the things that the chorus brought up in their opening message today. And yet, I have a concept that is just beginning to reach what they are talking about today. We call it timeless. I would like to pick something from my house that ideally in 20 or 30 years will not look like a particular era. It will be something that is, maybe we would say, a neutral. Maybe we would say it goes with anything else. <laughs> it transitions into other times and trends. Or ideally, potentially, something that we as humans continue to like over and over and over again. Now, maybe I can't reach the place that the chorus is yet. Maybe I can't just effervescently float around and earth and always be the perfect temperature and never need to stop to cook anything. <laughs> but I also grasp that there is a concept that exists in my reality of this sort of existence across times where it is still as present, as strong, as desired, as fitting in as it would be in any other time period. Let's take a simple white tile, for example. White tile has been around for pretty much as long as there has been tile. <laughs> the Greeks and the Romans may have used it in small itty bitty bits for their mosaics, but white tile there was still in the eyes of the people that they were designing into the floors of their homes in some of the other structures that they made look beautiful in these mosaic pictures. White tile has been around in recent times too, maybe in the shape of a subway tile or a long modern tile or a hexagonal tile. And so the format has slightly changed. You could say that white tile has an aspect of being timeless. Though certain characteristics may cause us to date it, there is something broader about this thing that stretches over many different time periods. We might say white tile comes back again and again. And this would be from our very valid perspective of things naturally diminishing or dwindling. And then if they show up again, having to have had a resurgence, a phoenix rising. <laughs> of white tile, there is an assumption in our perspective of deterioration. And so we don't just say white tile has experienced an incredible continuum. <laughs> Instead, we say, wow, here it is again, as if assuming a very natural by way of our reality, diminishing of anything over long periods of time. So here I am today in a tile store looking at white tile, which is an ever so slightly different version of white tile that has been around for humankind for a very long time. It's back, we could say, and also it's timeless. It shrugs off all of the boundaries of particular design eras, of particular trends. 
it overarches many different seasons, there is something about it that is bigger, perhaps, than any individual era. So now I'd like to ask you a question. What about you is timeless? This might be a very difficult question for us to answer in this day and age when we're just barely able to recall moments from this current lifetime, let alone other lifetimes. But as many of us are starting to experience the memories from prior lifetimes, as we call them, are starting to pop up, unannounced even, more and more frequently. An analysis of all of these memories and lifetimes could be one way (laughs) of determining what about you is timeless. But if you can sense in the Chorus's suggestion today, it is actually by recognizing, by loving, the parts of you that are timeless, that you are more likely to encounter evidence or manifestations of the expression of that truth. So let's say you and I are sitting on a park bench. There's green grass around us. There's breeze in the trees. It's a beautiful day. And I ask you this question. And I turn to you and I say, what about you is timeless? Now, your first response may be to think about the parts of you that continually come back again over the periods of time that you can remember. And so you might say, well, I've always been interested in music or I've always been able to make people laugh or I've always had a knack for fixing things. I'm very mechanical. And I might say, that's all very interesting. But then you and I might sit there for a moment and think a little bit more about other lifetimes and other places that perhaps we've existed, meaning and other aspects of beliefs within this vast, vast game of limitation. And I might say, well, what if, what if you existed in a lifetime where there was no such thing as music or, or musical instruments? Would that still be a timeless aspect of you? We might have to think about that for a minute. Are timeless aspects the things that can exist across all the different versions of five senses and beyond lifetimes that we've experienced? Hmm. Now, our subset of what feels timeless or could be timeless seems to have shrunk. If there are other places that we've existed and those physical aspects are not available to us there, does that mean that those are not timeless aspects of what we are? Is there truly anything that represents us across all the frequencies through which we have resonated? So we might sit there and think about it a little longer. And you might say, well, sense of humor, I mean... I could reasonably have a sense of humor in any reality, in in any type of existence. You could probably find things that are funny. And I might nod and agree with that. And then we might sit there and sort of think about how humor 
often requires an understanding of the way things should be and a sort of surprising turn of how things could be. It is a sense of absurdity based on a sense of what's expected. And if you don't have a group consensus about what is expected, hmm, maybe there are places where things aren't funny. Maybe they're just something else. Does that mean that your timeless aspect of humor isn't actually timeless or just would be represented differently in a different belief system corner? Then you might turn to me and you might say, Katie, this is getting a little depressing. (laughs) And I might say, I agree. I mean, I love the idea of being timeless and being resilient or, I don't know, stronger than the different characteristics of a time period. But I'm not sure that I know anything for myself that is timeless. And you might say, I agree. Every time I'm thinking of one right now, it seems like I could think of an alternative where that might not actually be possible. And I might say, but that's, that's very interesting. So you know what the chorus told me recently? They told me that we tend to think about what's not possible. Who knows? Maybe thinking about all our other lifetimes right now in this present moment is actually just kind of distracting from this present moment. Then we both sort of have a huh kind of moment and look around us again with new eyes. The park is beautiful. The grass is a vibrant green. The trees are swaying in the breeze. There's blue sky. And then you feel a sense of playfulness come over you. And you tell me a very dumb joke about a squirrel. (laughs) And I say, I love you. And all of your ridiculous jokes that you have ever told me. In fact, the more I sit here and appreciate your sense of humor, the more I feel like it gets funnier by the minute. And then I feel something different. And I say, oh, I think I get it. And you say, yeah, what? And I say, this present moment is timeless. You being here present with me is timeless. You are expressing yourself, the things that I am seeing about you What I am feeling about you is timeless. I mean, sure, I'm aware of the park or I'm aware of the clothes you're wearing or I'm aware of all this other stuff, but I feel a connection with you that I really believe I could feel no matter what was happening in the world around us at any point in time. It's clearer than the noise. It's stronger than the distractions. When I'm at ease, when I'm present, when I see you, it 
really does kind of feel like everything else is just part of the supporting material that amplifies to me what you are as opposed to defining it. Do you know what the chorus told me once? And I believe it's in the first book too. That the point of neutrality in the middle of all our emotions is the sensation of love. It is the sensation of allowance in which we experience more of what creation is, of what another is whom we love. And then they said that there is actually so much more waiting for us through the doorway of love. More sensations, more emotions, that all the emotions that we have felt up until now is just different reflections of this resonance. And that if we cease sort of our participation in this limitation by way of the resonance of love, we will expand into different experiences. Meaning love is just the beginning. If I sit here from within the game, from within this perspective, and I try to think my way through that door, there will be interesting manifestations which might be heavily colored by what's possible here from this frequency. I might have very interesting ideas about past lives of other places I've lived, and I might sort of oscillate back and forth between knowing how to tie that into my current lifetime and grappling with what it means and why. But as we choose to love in the present moment, really what we are embracing is the aspect of what's timeless and what exists about us through and beyond that doorway. It's an access point to everything that's timeless. When we look at another with love, with total allowance, we are then able to access all aspects of them that are timeless. And the same is true of ourselves. When we love ourselves in this present moment, we are able to resonate with the perspective of the larger essence of what we are. An essence, a consciousness that chose to incarnate here, that has had lifetimes and careers and good choices and bad choices and a sense of humor and sometimes not. And all of that is a valid perspective. But we will also sense within us, practically to a place that is still beyond words, often at this juncture in our reality. The more that we are in the frequencies beyond this game. Back on that park bench, I might turn and say to you, I sense a light inside of you that expresses itself here as an amazing sense of humor. I wonder what that looks like in other corners of the galaxy. And we might smile and be delighted with an open curiosity of how that might look across all places of creation. 
not because the sense of humor needs to be consistent, but the infinite energetic you that you are can express itself that way here. Seen from this view, being able to view each other across different periods of time moves from being a scrutiny of those choices, a judgment of those things we did, to a wonder about how each of us expressed our uniqueness through the constructs of all the experiences far and wide across this game. We generated this game by way of choosing to resonate with all of these different frequencies. We are the creators of the concepts of these things that we share with each other in our day-to-day lives. Could we say that each of our lifetimes was an opportunity to put on a different mask and experience that thing? Sure. In an infinite universe where all perspectives are valid. Could we also say that by way of choosing to show up here, we have created the experience of a mask? and all the many kinds that we have constructed. Yes. You are so much more than any of the things that you have done in this lifetime, said in this lifetime, created in this lifetime. You are so much more in any of these five senses manifestations. You are the creator of them. Well now, which tile should I pick for my house? (laughs) If I would like to choose things that are timeless, that a home buyer maybe 10 or 20 years from now will also enjoy, Should I look to all the things that come back again and again that seem to be preferred by humanity through many different eras of building and living in houses? Yes, I could do that. But maybe in the present moment that I am standing in that tile store at just that exact moment, As that particular employee greets me on that particular day, that particular lighting with the shop just as busy as it will be in that moment, I might sense a new inspiration come through me that matches that desire. And it might lead me to a brand new idea of tile of how I could do something that maybe even ushers in a whole new era of trend. (laughs) Not because it was a calculus of what seems to be preferred by all humans across time, but because it was a present moment perception of an energetic wavelength 
a flowing place that we call love. And the manifestations that come from that resonance are always in style. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information on The Chorus and I, our podcast, book, or how to get in touch with us, visit katieinthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.